All right, I'm excited. Are you guys excited for today? I'm like more excited than normal for a, a day. I don't know why. I'm like, I'm like pumped for it. I'm afraid I'm gonna, okay, we, if we get the chord right in the beginning, I'll probably be able to ignore it the whole time. So we'll just spend time and we can start the podcast after this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but now the podcast. Uh, guys, I'm just, so, I'm just kidding. So uh, I'm super pumped for today. Can we give a shout just for Jesus? Like what I would love for today is for you to guys to just, just to be on my level today because I am so excited. And if it gets real quiet at any point, I'm just going to cry. And that's just what it's going to become. And so I'd rather that not happen. Uh, so we're going to continue our series three pillars, right? Uh, the three pillars of our church. What are the three things that our church stands firm on? Well, the same three things that the Bible stands firm on, the same three things that every Christian, every family, every business, these things they should all stand firm on. And that is our relationship with God, belonging to a God-given community, and living out our calling in relation to those in need. Amen. We feel and we really believe that if we were to embrace those three things and center our life around them, that we would naturally fulfill all the Bible's called us to do. Amen. Uh, because it's actually not that complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. And so uh, I'm really excited. Can y'all say it's complicated? It's going to be one of those days. Uh, the quotations are there intentionally. It's supposed to be sarcastic. It is not complicated. Uh, so look to a neighbor and say, it's complicated. See, I'm making you guys wake up on me because, like, I feel you not want to wake up. But I'm in this. Look to the other neighbor and say, but for real, though. <laughs> I love for the people who say it at me. I'm not a neighbor. Like, go to a different neighbor and tell them, uh, it doesn't have to be. Why do you have to go and make things so complicated? Just touch the neighbor and ask him. I'm just kidding. Uh, so I want to dive in on this concept. And what we're going to start with is we're going to go all the way back, as far back in the Bible as we could possibly go. I'm exaggerating, uh, but pretty far back. We're going to go to Genesis. It's the first book in your Bible. Go to the table of contents and turn right, and you're going to be right there. Uh, you don't even got to go look it up. It's probably like page three, right? And so we're going to go to page three of the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 15, and then we're going to jump after that to Genesis chapter 16, and then we're going to jump one more time to Genesis chapter 17, and then we're going to talk about what we want to talk about today, and all God's people say it. I just don't have it in me to be that kind of preacher, but I really want to be. Um, so we're going to start with a really famous story. If you don't know it, don't sweat it. I brought the story for you. And we're going to know it by the end of service, right? And so if you got your Bible, can I see it? All you phones, all you phone people. Millennials. I'm just kidding. I think I'm also a millennial. <laughs> Those freaking millennials, they ruin everything. Um, but uh, if you did not bring your Bible, don't sweat it. I tell you this every week. I brought one for you. It's right here, and I actually brought a second one right over there. Uh, actually, I didn't bring these. These were donated to the church. Uh, but the joke's not as funny unless I take credit. Uh, so after these things, the Lord, the word of the Lord, not the Lord, just his word. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. Oh, sorry, Abram. My bad. He ain't Abraham yet. I'm jumping the shark. He'll be Abraham by the end of our talk, though. Uh, you know, uh, Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. Because every time God shows up, people scream. 
makes me laugh. Like there's like, it, the Bible describes like, it's like it has wings and it has eyes on its wings and it has the head of a lion and it says to the man, be not afraid. I'd be like, kick rocks. I am terrified. I am out of here. Uh, but that's not what's happening here. Uh, this is the vision. So I assume Abraham's taking a nap. Uh, so it's good times. And, and now God's talking. And like when nap time becomes God time, like that's the best transition I've ever heard of in my life. Um, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. And y'all wish I was preaching on that today, but let's keep moving. Uh, But Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? Okay, so God parts the heavens and be like, I got your back. And what you say is, but like how though? You suck, but that's how we always respond, right? Uh, but Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? Like, God, I, the God of heaven and earth is like, you're my favorite. I'm watching you. And he's like, yeah, but prove it. And uh, for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Code for if I die, all my stuff is going to someone else. And back in these times, having a kid's a big deal, right? That's how you continue your family name. That's kind of like everything. So much so that they considered being barren a curse. I mean, nowadays, like, we pay to be barren for a while. Uh, And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. A little bummed out. Uh, And behold, the word of the Lord. It keeps saying behold. Like, it's like, and he said, but behold, keep watching, keep talking. Like, that word is consistently here because you're supposed to be, like, wowed every time. But, you know. This ain't about me, it's about Abram, so why am I excited? Uh, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. God's saying, don't sweat it. Your very own son shall be your heir. I'm going to give you a child. Like, talk about a calling. Right? Like, how do you fulfill that calling? God is good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. I mean, talk about a ministry from God. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And he believed the Lord and he was counted to him as righteousness. So God comes and just gives this fire word. Like, let's be crass for a second. Like, dude, just have all the sex in the world. And he's just like, I mean, the Lord has spoken, right? And it's just like, like, if God gives me that ministry, I'm stepping down today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I love you guys, but God's given me a calling and I got to fulfill what the Lord has spoken to me. Uh, but so what happens is because it doesn't happen immediately, we go just one chapter later, but a lot of time has passed. And they're, they're getting tired of waiting on the word of the Lord. So Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 to 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. That's a sad day. Especially when God shows him, like, you're going to have a ton of children. Count the stars, all that many. And now she's born nothing. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. That's like all literal right there. That's not some kind of like, he's not being metaphorical. Like, this is what's going on. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Now, that's not how it works, but whatever. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. I mean, but God... (laughs) 
It was her idea. It doesn't work. <laughs> Abraham, uh, Adam tried it, but God, the woman you gave me, and God's like, I don't care. Why'd you do it? And now we're Abram's like, I mean, <laughs> your wife says, hey, here's a free pass. The answer's still no. It's still a sin. Don't do it. Because uh, it ain't going to work that way before God. You got to give an account for you. Uh, so uh, let's jump now. Abram did what he should not have done, had a child he should not have had. Um, history tells us that child was insane. That child's actually still doing a lot of things today. Um, a lot of people are dying in this day and age because of that mistake. But that's a sermon for a different day. Um, and we're going to jump to chapter 17. And now God's showing up to Abraham. Even though he messed up, God was still moving in his life. He was still transitioning him. Yeah. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Uh, a lot of time has passed. The child is like, I think like 12 now. I mean, it's been at least 13 years from the last thing we read to this moment. And I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. I mean, that's a word, right? And then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who was 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who was 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He just can't understand. He's seeing things too much like he used to see things and not enough like God is seeing things. And in this kind of moment, I'm reminded of when Elisha is with his disciple. And some of you may not know the story, but they're, they're sitting there and their whole city is surrounded. And the, the disciple is freaking out because like, yo, we're going to die. We're going to die. And Elisha's calm. And he's like, how are you calm? We're going to die. Right? Like it's time to freak out. This is the time to freak out. And so he looks and he goes, God, let him see like I see. Right? And then suddenly there's an enemy encamping around the enemy that's encamping them. And so what he realizes is that the angels of God were completely around their enemies and that God was going to bring them the victory. See what Elisha didn't panic in a situation where anyone else would have panicked was because he saw God for what he was really doing and not for the circumstance he was in, right? But Abraham and Sarai don't have that kind of foresight. They don't have that kind of vision in this moment. They can't believe God is just going to do what he says he's going to do because it is that easy. So what do you got to do? I got to go overcomplicate it a little bit, right? And so, and Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. No, not a kid that's going to come from her, a different child. Bless the other child. And God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac, spelt correctly. <laughs> and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Amen. I just feel good, especially after that last joke. <laughs> like, you were just, like, proud to be an American. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those moments. Um... God is good. Anyway, I'm going to pray, and we're going to talk for a certain amount of time, you know what I'm saying, uh, about the concept of it's, it's complicated. Uh, dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room, God. Uh, God, we know we have the, uh, the temptation to overcomplicate when your truth is just straightforward and it's just honest. Father God, God, I pray that we would begin to 
through this talk and through this time and through what your spirit is doing, God, uh, we begin to shift away from seeing things our way and wanting things our way and beginning to stop complicating things and just take your word for what it is, God. We love you. You're amazing. You're awesome. In Jesus' name I say, amen. Oh, and thank you, God, that my wife is beautiful. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thank her for what you can. Um, my wife and I had a Valentine's Day hangout, right? It was awesome. Cody left for the weekend. <laughs> That'll preach. Um, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I love you. Uh, but he was gone, and it was awesome. And we had a Valentine's Day. And uh, so, but while we, we, we hung out, and we do a thing every year. Uh, we have a couple, uh, like three, I would say, consistent traditions. Uh, thing number one is I always buy her something with a pushing on it. Every single time. It's the cat, right? That weird little, the fat cat, right? Um, I always buy something every year. So she got socks this year with them on, and she was wearing them, and, and it was awesome. The second thing we always do um, is we go, and we go to all the parks in the city that we had significant moments at. Uh, so there was a park in the city where the first place we said I love you to each other. And we always go there and retell each other that we love each other. And there's a park that was actually our first kiss over an anthem. So we always drive to anthem and I give her a kiss over there. And then we drive to uh, a different park. And at that park is the first time we ever danced together. And so we always go there and we dance. Although uh, admittedly this year I had to pee so bad. Uh, we didn't dance. I ran to the bathroom. It was a different kind of dance. Uh, but, but God was still moving. He was still good. You know. Um, and, and we always, we do those things. And lastly, we always go go grab sushi. And so we went and grabbed sushi, but as we were hanging out and just kind of reminiscing on our past, um, our history, kind of what led us to each other, I started to really realize how fickle all of my romantic relationships were before I married my wife, before I met Versavia. And we just started talking about those kind of things, and, and it made me laugh because I was just like, it's, it's funny how in the moment, at the time, it's like the most important thing in your world, Right? Like, this is the one, right? And I had like a thousand the ones. And every time this was the one, right? And, and it's so dramatic. And we break, they, you break up and it's just like, oh, she's, she was my world. She was, you know what I'm saying? And he's like fall apart. And I look at all of them now and I'm like, God is so good because they're all just a little, it's a little crazy, right? And so sometimes it's the grace of God when he, he moves you places you don't want to get moved to. Um, and, and so, but we were looking and we were talking and we were interacting and I was really thinking about those things. And I remember some, thing I don't really see very much anymore but we were laughing about it uh was just like you ever see on Facebook when a couple argues and they change their relationship status to it's complicated <laughs> right and so when you see a girl with it's complicated it's code for I'm the mistress typically or he's messing around right now we're on a break you ever see friends uh it was complicated um and then when a guy's on a break and he says it's complicated, like that's just code for she has a, like, you know, like she's not even interested in me, but, but I'm hoping she's interested in me, right? And, and so it's just like, but, but we're, it's funny how I used to, I had friends in high school and you could see like every day married and they're in high school, right? 14 year old, you're not married, but for some reason you're married. And then the next day it's complicated with the same person. And the next day single. And then the next day 
taken. And then it's like, oh, he's my world. And then it's complicated. And it's like a different name than it was yesterday. And you're like, what happened? Uh, your world was like, he's not even, it's complicated. It's just like a whole new guy. And it's like, uh, <laughs> and I've seen those posts so consistently. And it's just like this up and down roller coaster of relationships. And we defined it so well. Facebook is so genius when they're like, oh, so it's complicated. <laughs> um, it's complicated is typically code for it's not really a relationship right? Like I'm never, like when me and my wife get into an argument, I'm not going to go onto Facebook and move our status. It's complicated. <laughs> no, we're, we're still married. And if you're still dating the person that it's complicated with, you're still dating. So what is it's complicated all about? And if you ask anyone, what do they tell you? It's hard to say because it's complicated. It's not complicated. Y'all, that person's messing around, <laughs> right? And, and it makes me laugh because I think about just how easily relationships go to they're the love of my life, right? By the time I was Violet's age, I had like eight marriages on MySpace, really, uh, right? <laughs> and, and none of them lasted. I'm not married to any of them. And I actually, for the record, never married any of them. But it's just, you know, the overdramatic, like, oh, they're the love of my life. And you look at like science and like uh, they actually did a, how it affects your heart kind of test and that like teenage breakups hurt the heart more than like an adult breakup does because like when we're younger that really does become our whole world but it's always so fickle and it's always so complicated and then when you get older and you look back it's always hilarious and then as an older person watching someone else go through it and like they're crying on your shoulder and like but it's like just a little just a little funny <laughs> because it's like everyone else in the room knows you're not going to marry this person anyway but you were convinced right but no no it's complicated it's complicated uh so it's funny though because we absolutely do that same thing with God we start to overthink the relationship right and it's never just as simple as well God blessed me and so I'm going to be blessed right we begin to overcomplicate the relationship people will come up to me and ask me why don't I believe God will heal me well, because your relation stat status is, it's complicated, right? And if it wasn't complicated, <laughs> you actually wouldn't have issues and you'd completely trust. I, when me and my wife argue and she starts throwing plates and breaking stuff because she has total lack of self-control. I'm just kidding. Uh, she's beautiful. Um, it's me. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one who freaks out and I'm the one who's like, what, where's my pen? And it's like right next to me and I lost it. And then, you know, and she's always like, oh, sweetie, it's right there. I'm like, no, that's not my pen. Uh, so I'm the dramatic one. Uh, but if we have an argument... I don't leave the room <laughs> and our relationship isn't suddenly complicated. Right. We're having a moment, but she's my wife. That's my son. This is our house. This is our relationship. This is our family. And we're going to work it out. And we're going to just like, because no matter how bad the argument gets, she's my wife. Amen. It's not complicated. No matter how much my heart will claim it is sometimes because yo, the heart is a fickle thing. And if I can be real with you, my heart goes through like 10 emotions a second. Just like my son. Like he cried one time and like turned the cry into a laugh and then shook his head angry and cried again. And I was like, what just, what just happened in this moment? Like it was like, ah, ah, ah. and I was like, what do I do? Like, what do you communicate? Like, what are you communicating? Right? And like, but our hearts do that same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching. <laughs> I like... <laughs> It's funny because it's true. Um, and we see, just like how we overcomplicate, we just watched 
Abraham and Sarah massively overcomplicate their calling with God. Because Abraham had it made. He had the best call in the world. In all the Bible. <laughs> all, literally all God said was just have a good time. Like, and just keep having a good time. And he's like, well, what could that possibly mean? How could I possibly have children? Oh, Abraham, do you not know how you have children? No, 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 but there's no way God means from her. She's 90, so I must have to sleep with the young Egyptian girl up the street, which, by the way, like, who was talking there? Was that, like, there are two, okay. Um, <laughs> the, the, the wrong guy was thinking in that particular moment, right? Because he was overcomplicating, because there was no way God was just going to do what God was going to do do. Uh, and so our relationship status shifts from married, got a calling, to it's complicated. <laughs> um, there is a quote from Louis Giglio. He's a pastor. I forget what church he pastors. Passion? Yeah, pastors, pastors passion. Pastors passion. Got it. And, uh, and he said this, don't overcomplicate God's will which that'll preach, right? Like that, that alone. Like that's all I'm saying today. <laughs> Don't overcomplicate God's will. Just stay connected to Jesus. Love him. Look into his eyes. He will lead. You just follow, rinse, and repeat. <laughs> See, that's not complicated. He knows what he's about. Uh, <laughs> um, Oftentimes, when I'm counseling people, I say something that I don't really mean. I'm just trying to soften the blow, right? And this is a counseling thing you'll say because when people say like, "Oh, I, I can't like, I can't stop cheating on my wife," or "Oh, I can't stop getting high," or "I can't stop right whatever your issue is," right? I can't stop getting angry. And then like I just read a Bible verse and I'm just like, "Don't do it." And it's like, but here's what I always say to people just to soften the blow. I'll be like, I know it's easier said than done. The only reason I have to say that is because it's complicated with you. And you can't just hear, like, oh, I can't stop punching someone in the face. Like, my answer is going to be, don't punch them. Like, it's not, it's not some kind of, well, you don't understand psychology. And I, I understand. Uh, you're babying people just a little too much. Stop it, right? If my son does something bad, I'm going to spank him and say, no, I'm not going to try to understand his perspective. Like, I don't care. Like, if my son's just running out in the middle of the street, oh, he's getting eight spankings, so he never does that again. And I'm like, well, why did he run out into the street? Because he's five, and that's what five-year-olds want to do. And so he's getting a spanking. Like, I'm already excited to spank my son. I've talked about this before, and I've planned all the times I'm going to do it and all the things I'm going to do. Like, there's like a secret part of me that's excited for when he back talks my wife for the first time. You know what I'm saying? Like laying on of hands. Like that's ministry right there. And it's going down. And, and I'm so pumped for it. But like it's not, it's not complicated, right? Just because our emotions can get complicated, it's not complicated. This is wrong. Don't do it. This is right. Do it. God loves you. Too bad. <laughs> well, I don't understand how he could love me if I, well, he does. It's not complicated. Well, you don't know my past. I don't need to. He loves you. It's not complicated. He just loves you. He loves bad people. He loves bad people. <laughs> For God so loved the world. 
People argue about what the world means in that context. Well, anywhere else in the Bible, the world always means bad people far from God. Always what it means. Right? Or as Judah Smith puts it, bad system, bad people. Right? Bible says, before you knew God, you were children of wrath and the sons of wrath. As in like of anger, of sin. You're the children of sin and God loves you. But you don't know. But you, but I, no. God loves you. (laughs) Yeah, but last night, I I know. You're probably going to do it again tomorrow because low-key, we kind of suck a little bit, right? Just a little. And you're probably going to do it again at some point, but he loves you. And the sooner you embrace that love, the sooner you'll actually stop doing that thing anyway. But you're still convinced that when I stop it, then God will love me. Because that's what complicated is, right? If I have to stop doing the sin for God to love me, my relationship's not complicated because it's work-based. And now there's this, this rule system I have to keep for God and me aren't good. But that's not the Bible. The Bible is, it's, he loves you. You're a child of God. Another quote that I love, it's by unknown. Because when I go, I googled this quote and like 80 different people have said it. And I was like, I don't know where this quote came from. Uh, But it's simple. It's really short. Be realistic. Expect a miracle. If the God of heaven and earth is real, and he loves you, and he has a plan and a purpose for you, then the most realistic thing you can do is expect him to move. Right? Have you read your Bible and then looked at your life and been like, yeah, it's the same? Not many of us, right? Because we're too busy trying to be realistic by the standard as if God doesn't exist. Right? And we won't say that's what we're doing, but it's what we're doing. But if you look to the Bible, what I see are some crazy healings. What I see is people talking in a language that makes everyone else uncomfortable. When I read the Bible, what I see are people willing to die for their faith. Where a lot of us fall apart because, well, someone put a negative comment and called me a bigot on my post, and I can't post that stuff anymore. (laughs) It's not complicated. Be realistic. Live your life. If the God of heavens and earth, if Jesus Christ really lived on this earth and really died and really resurrected, if the Holy Spirit really has filled you, what's the most realistic thing you can do? Expect him to move. Because God protects what's his. Amen? But, But, like, it's funny because I feel like we overcomplicate the small things, which is exactly what we saw Abraham do, right? Literally, and I can't express this enough because it's like idiot alert, right? Like everyone had their promise sealed a different way. Noah gets a rainbow, right? Moses, he lost part of his manhood. It's hilarious, but it's what happened. Abraham was like, I'm going to change your name, and I'm going to tell you to just keep sleeping with your wife. And it's like, but what is that? What could God have meant by that? And it's funny, but then look at your own life and how complicated your relationships are. How complicated you coming to church is every morning you come. How complicated your work is. How complicated, literally, just look at your life around you. Is it more complicated than you see in the Bible? And I think for most people, the answer is honestly yes. Because there's no way God would expect me to. And there's no way he's calling me to. And there's no way he could really. And there's no way he would possibly but it's time to be realistic from the perspective that God is real. Uh, we don't just see this with Abraham and his wife. We also see this in the church of Corinth. 
right? If you read the church of Corinth's letters, so first and second Corinthians, the first letter, here's what you're going to read. You guys suck. Stop it, <laughs> right? The second letter, here's what you're going to read. Y'all, you guys are doing so much better, but why are you guys making everything so complicated, right? And so when the people got rebuked by, by Paul for how they were acting, they immediately shifted into doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Like their heart was, I want to glorify God. But they deflected into a situation of, so I have to do this, so I have to get up at this time, so I have to pray at this time, so I have to read exactly this much a day, and so I have to, right? And so we, we begin to overcomplicate things, and we begin to look, and that's where Paul starts to go to the Corinthian church, and he starts to tell them, hey, stop it. Did you know it doesn't matter how you dress as long as you're glorifying God? We're noticing in 1 Corinthians what God is, he's saying, hey, stop dressing this way because you're sinning, right? But suddenly he shifts and, okay, but now you're dressing too. Like, you know, it's like you can't just be in the middle. Why can't you just be right with God? Why can't you just be led? No tattoos aren't a sin. Get them if you want. No piercing your ears is not a sin. Pierce them if you want. I mean, they pierced their nose in the Old Testament and God called it beautiful, right? And so we see these things and people begin to overcomplicate. Oh, they're not living the way I would live. And so therefore they're in sin. Legalism at its finest. And we love to justify our legalism for two reasons. And we see them in the Corinthian church. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul writes, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will lead you astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Can we leave that up for a second? If you read that whole section in context... Here's what you understand. There were people coming in and beginning to teach about Jesus and adding extra rules to it. And Paul's like, you're being deceived. You're being deceived because you think there's more to it than just sincere and pure devotion to Christ. But when I, when I just got yelled at, when I just fell into a sin, when I've just fallen short, what's my first response? Okay, so I have to do this, 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 and this, so I never do that again. And Paul's coming and goes, hey, that fear is leading you astray. It's leading you farther from God. It's a different kind of sin, but it's sin nonetheless. You just need to go into his presence, lay at his feet, and seek repentance, and let God guide you. See, at first, because you were too free, you were just doing any sin you wanted. And once you got checked for it, you started doing nothing. And that's just as bad. I wrote, the, the Corinthian church was dealing with many false religions around. These religions made, make more human sense because they demand more of us. Where Christ is very simplistic in his love and calling for us. And we see this in Abraham having his child with Hagar. There is no way it's as simple as just remaining intimate and trusting that God's going to move. Which, by the way, that's all I'm preaching for you guys to do today, right? Just remain intimate and trust God's going to do something. But I want to get this promotion. Just remain intimate and trust God's going to do something. But I'm still trying to debate, should I move to this state or should I, should I just remain intimate and trust God to do something? Okay, but you don't understand. See, our finances are kind of struggling right now and we have a job offer, but it's just going to require we move our entire lives. So what do we do? Okay, so just remain intimate and trust that God's going to guide you. And if you go to the Bible, that's always the advice. Consistently and always. You don't find the advice, of, okay, so do these eight things and then you'll know if you're supposed to leave. It's, oh, really? Have you prayed on it? 
And have you let God reveal? Well, I prayed, but God hasn't revealed. Ah, perfect. Jesus says, knock and keep knocking, right? And so if he hasn't revealed in the deadline passed, the answer was obviously no anyway, right? Or he, he would have revealed it to you. But no, because deep down, I want that promotion. And so, oh, God's not talking. So this must be what he wants me to do. And, and, and maybe I'm not living like I want to live. And, and, and I, I hear it when we all go out and evangelize. And it's like, hey, go pray for someone. Like, oh, God hasn't told me to pray for any of these people. It's complicated. Pray for all people. It's not complicated. God's really straightforward in what he wants. And that's why <laughs> whenever there's a section of scripture that people don't like, you'll see about 10 books that are like 80 chapters long about why that verse isn't really what you think it is. Because I don't come into these services to attack hot topic things, uh, you know, like those numbers, those like, but let me, let me say like, like the topic of homosexuality, right? And oh, okay, well, I don't want to talk about this. Cool. We're going to talk about it for a second, right? In the Bible, it actually is a sin. That, that doesn't mean God can't move. But it actually is a sin. And so what are you seeing right now? Here's the 80,000 reasons why those verses actually don't mean that. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's actually just that simple. But see, deep down, well, because society says it's not bad anymore, so now I, I agree with that because that's where my heart's at. And if me and God disagree, of course I'm right. And so I have to go and read how in the Bible everyone's been getting it wrong for 4,000 years, 2,000 years now. For 2,000 years now, why I finally have the revelation to get this right. Or, or God's straightforward with what he wants. There's not extra. It applies in so many different ways. I've never met someone, whenever I look at them, and they'll be like, well, I got this, this going in my life. What do I do? And I say, oh, well, just stop doing that. And like, oh, yeah, God told me that. So why, did, why, so why are we talking about it? Have you done it? No. Then why, what, you came to me for something else. Because you're overcomplicating it. When you get close to God, he just kind of leads you. We have the Bible as a litmus test, right? And we have the people, a community as a litmus test for people to go, man, I don't think that's right, man. But typically, when something's wrong, we knew it. And when something's right, we knew it. It just came down to obedience. And, well, it's complicated. Paul also deals with the Corinthian church in another way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, he says this, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so towards you. So what's Paul saying this time? We didn't interact with you from a worldly sense. We interacted with you from just the perspective of God's right. So the first verse I read deals with the fact that you guys are overcomplicating and you're trying to do extra things. The second verse is, and now we didn't do those things because we didn't let the world dictate the Bible. Does that make sense? And I think that's what's so important because we typically dictate what God is saying based off of the society we live in. And we don't dictate how should I deal with my society based off what the Bible's saying. Right, And it's, we actually got to flip the perspective. What's popular, I mean, Jesus said it himself, they might hate you. Also, sometimes they might not. If society's in a place where they're accepting Jesus, they'll love you. But right now, it's not where they're at. And so I do think there's a requirement for Christians to actually stand up for things that are unpopular. And I'm about tired of seeing Christians defending places like Planned Parenthood. They do so much extra besides abortion. I know, but the, if a doctor went around murdering a thousand people, but also helped people, I would still put him in jail. Right? 
it's, it's, it's a ridiculous argument, right? And so then, then make abortion illegal, and then we'll talk about Planned Parenthood, right? But, right, the Bible's clear. It's life. So, so now what do we do? So how do we handle that? Well, that's not popular right now, so now we got to start talking about it. Right, and, and so I think that God has called us not to deal with the world from the perspective of, well, this is what's okay, and God's called me to be relevant. No, he hasn't. He's actually called you to be in love with him. That's it. And it actually is just that, just that simple. Paul encourages Christians to live like him, forsaking the worldly perspective on wisdom and God and embracing the biblical perspective of Christ. And we saw that also perfectly in Abraham. Can we talk for a second about when God said to Abraham, you're going to have a kid? Abraham said, we're too old. He couldn't understand God, what God was saying because of his perspective on how babies work in a worldly perspective. If God called you to do it, Nike, just do it. I'll have a conversation with people. I'm like, well, God told me not to do this. But hey, but this is happening, so what should I do? I'm like, oh, what was the first thing you said? God told me not to do it? Okay. <laughs> Don't do it. Right? I've had people, I've had people come up, I've had people come up to me and tell me, God told me to break up with this person. And so I said, okay, then break up with them. And then the next week, that person came to me. And said, I have to leave the church because you're trying to make me break up with my girlfriend. And I was like, but, but this was never my, like, this whole operation was your idea, right? Uh, like, what just happened? Like, there's never a point where we talked about relationships. You brought it because God put this on your heart with a fire. And you knew deep down, this is God and this is what he's saying. But then when I went out and I thought about what I wanted and what the people around me are saying, suddenly God's word wasn't as real anymore. And I had to say, and so I made an excuse but no, typically, I think everyone in this room knows exactly the next thing God's calling you to do. For some of you, it's as simple as just serving. For some of you, God's calling you to quit a job and you don't want to. For some of you, God's calling you to leave a relationship behind and you don't want to. For some of you, he's just saying, hey, come talk to me a little bit more. But your life is super busy, right? I think most of us in this room are accurately aware, maybe not of our next 10 steps, maybe not of our next big calling, but they're accurately aware of, I know the next thing God's calling me to do. And we've given ourselves 80,000 reasons not to do it because we've complicated our relationship with God. God is clear. I was reading a verse that I had no intentions of reading today, but now I get to read it to you guys. Not read it, though. Uh, You know, there's the Bible verse where Paul says, no one knows your inner man except your spirit. As in, no one knows who you really are except for you. Which, for the record, is why so many of us feel like God doesn't love, shouldn't love us. And everyone looks and goes, no, you're amazing. It's like, yeah, but you don't know the real me. Have you ever felt that way? Because your inner you knows you more than anyone. And Paul says, you know how you feel that way? And the church is like, yeah, we feel that way. And Paul says, do you know that only the Spirit of God knows God? For the same reason. And then Paul says, and that's why God put his Spirit in you. Do you know you, under, you get to understand the inner workings of God because his spirit's in you? And just like only you know you, only his spirit knows him, and God filled you with his Holy Spirit, you know what that means? The answer is never, I didn't know that. The answer was, I just wasn't listening. Because you do know your next step. 
God is talking to you. It's not my job to tell you. It's not anyone around you's job to tell you. John says to himself, you guys should be teaching by now, for you're filled with the truth of God. Do you believe Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, by a show of hands? Can I just see the people who really believe Jesus is their Lord and Savior? Do you know that the Holy Spirit's alive in you and God will actually lead you and guide you in your day-to-day life? And do you know that actually your next step has already been spoken to you? And maybe it's time to just do it? Well, I did it for so long and God didn't do anything. Well, Abraham was with his wife for so long and God hadn't moved yet, but he still just had to remain faithful to that amazing word that we all wish was our word, right? He just had to remain faithful to that thing, but he didn't want to remain faithful because his head couldn't make sense. There's no way this is what God is calling me to do. Honestly, what I think Abraham struggled with was because it was too simple. There's no way I'm going to get a whole kingdom just by staying intimate with my wife. There must be more to this. There never was more to it. Stuart Townsend wrote a hymn. And the hymn is called, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. King's Kaleidoscope did an amazing cover of that, by the way. And if you haven't listened to it, like that's the version that made me go like, oh my God, this song is amazing. Uh, But there's a line in his hymn and it says, why should I gain from his reward? Why should I gain from Jesus's reward? I cannot give an answer. Why should I gain because of Christ? I cannot give an answer. Actually, Cody, that's a word for you. Why does God keep moving on my life? I can't give you an answer. He just loves you. Amen? Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. I don't know why he died for me, but I know he did. And that's all he's saying. I don't know why he loves me, but I know he does. I don't know why he still called me, but I know he has. I don't know why he has a plan for me, but I know he has a plan for me. It doesn't make sense. I can't fathom it. I can't understand it. I can't quantify it, but it's still true anyway. And I think that's where many of us struggle with our relationship with God because you feel exactly like I described. And so therefore you go, so there must be more to what God is telling me to do. But it's not. Paul said something, my life first. I was worse than all the other apostles, and so I worked more than the rest of them. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. What was he saying? I didn't have to work more than the rest of them. By the grace of God, I am what I am. So what has God promised in your life? Can you honestly ask yourself, maybe, what am I overcomplicating? If God promises us a peace that surpasses all understanding, why are we busy trying to understand our peace? If God has promised the completion of the work he's established in me, why do I doubt my call? And why do I doubt that I'll get completed? If God has promised that he will not leave me or forsake me, why do I feel distant? If he has called me to pray without ceasing, why do I stop praying when the situation doesn't work out like I thought it should? When God calls me to not grow weary in well-doing and to knock and keep knocking, why do I stop the second things don't go the way I want them to? And if the Bible says who the Son set free is free indeed, why am I bound? Because it's complicated. Stop complicating it. You know you're just free? You know you're sitting in chains that are unlocked? 
Do you know the answer for the reason why your brain can't be at peace is living inside of you? And you just won't look to it? I want to take us all the way back to Louis Giglio. Do not overcomplicate God's will. Just stay connected to Jesus. Love him. Look into his eyes. He will lead. You just follow, rinse, and repeat. That's it. What is your main calling in life? I met a woman at a church a long time ago. I've actually been this church. I don't remember. It's been so long. Who told all of us, I'm called to be a prophet to the nations. Which, amen. Some people are called to that. And I believe God called me to this church. So this person's here. This person's growing. And one random day, they look and go, I can't be under these people if I'm going to reach the nations. And left the church. And I'm friends with this person on Facebook still. When they post things, they get like 10 likes. Like, where are the nations at? You overcomplicated it. God called you to a home. I, I can't see how these people will get me there. It doesn't matter. God's going to do what he's going to do. You just bow down and submit to God, right? We, we have to stop receiving and grabbing and getting our call because you don't have any control over it. Just God does. So just let him guide you. Just remain faithful to what he's doing with you. Again, if, the, if God has a plan for your life, his word says, I am faithful to complete it. Who's going to complete the work in you? He is. It's not your job. It's not on you. It's not your responsibility. I have one job and one job only. And that is to worship my God, to love him, to look to him and say, God, whatever you're up to today, I'm in. And my comfort doesn't matter in the face of that. The, the string on this mic makes me feel bound. <laughs> And it makes it harder to preach like I want to preach. Um, amen, though? Uh, can I have the band up? Uh, whatever the heck you were flowing prophetically in, uh, whatever you were singing that on the end of that fourth song, like, that's the closing song today. So if you forgot it, good luck, dude. <laughs> that's the song. Because uh, I've been there, right, where you get off of a moment where God, like, what did you just say? I'm like, I don't even know what I just said. Uh, God is doing something today. Um, I genuinely and fully within me believe that God is talking to people directly. I said it here and I said it today. All of you raised your hand. I believe everything I preach on a Sunday is extra. I believe it's just to guide us in unity together, but it is not specifically for your individual call in an individual moment. I think God's talking to you about that. And I think it's time to open your ears. And just like Elijah, Elisha prayed over his servant. God opened his eyes. I want to pray over you. Open your ears. When Jesus talked about the Pharisees who were before him, and, and, and they said, like, why aren't they receiving what you said? He said, they do not have ears to hear. And I think that is the truth of what's really going on. It's complicated. I know what I want to hear, so I don't have ears to hear the truth. I've complicated my relationship with God because there's certain things I want. And I'm really desperately trying to mold Christ in that direction. But Jesus says, die to yourself pay the price and follow me. And he says, and I will build a house on firm foundation. I think many of us come to God and we go, okay, God, what should I get rid of? 
And I really think God calls us when we come to him to lay it all down and say, just give me back whatever I can have. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep walking. Amen? And maybe just in this kind of atmosphere, we can flick those lights off because it helps me end. It's really the only reason. It helps me end better because uh, I'm, I'm the worst at ending. I usually, I've been writing my closers lately and I totally forgot to today. Uh, so I don't have one. Um, I think, I think God wants to do something. And I don't think that because I want to believe it. I think that because I've got so many verses in the Bible that tell me he does. And I think in the name of having crazy prophetic words, we've let go of his already established spoken word. I believe in prophecy, but I always will forever believe that the Bible comes first and foremost in the realm of what is God speaking to me. Amen. And so I, I, I guess I'm going to pray us out. And then I want everybody to come forward because unfortunately we're a small church. Uh, I like that in a sense because I know all of you very well, or most of you. There's a couple of you that are kind of new around here and I don't know super well yet, uh, but I know most of you very, very well. And so sometimes I give an altar call and I know that we all need it. <laughs> and it doesn't come from God told me in my spirit. It comes from, and I know you guys, and a lot of us here are so overcomplicated. It's kind of hilarious. Some of you, and sorry to shift, some of you are so focused on your body that you've stopped looking to Christ and you've defined happiness by how you look. Some of you are so focused on your marriage that you've denied Christ where you will be happy as soon as your spouse gets it. Some of you are looking at your jobs instead of Christ. Some of you are looking at the person you want to be with instead of Christ. Some of you are looking at the fact you're with no one instead of Christ. That's what an idol is. That is definitionally an idol. What am I looking at when I should be looking at God? Because it's not complicated. Are you free? Most people, if I showed them the Bible, they'd say yes. But if I asked them in person, they'd say no. The answer is yes. Is your mind really a peaceful place? Most people look at the Bible and be like, oh, yes, of course, God, I'm, I'm at peace. Or some of you are so bound in your lack of peace that you would definitely say no immediately. <laughs> But there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. The second you try, stop trying to understand it, you'll have it. <laughs> and I, I, I guess as we're shifting in, everything I talked about today is all based off of the reason why God's not complicating things is because he loves you. True love is this, not that you loved God, but that he gave his son to die for you. It's in 1 John. Well, but I, yeah, I know, it sucks. Well, I don't really love God that much. I know, but that's not what love is anyway. Love is that he loved you. 
you're loved. It's not complicated. Do you remember when the disciples are with Jesus and Jesus says, I'm gonna tear down this temple and in three days, I'm gonna rebuild it. And they say, no one can do that. If you go read that section of scripture, it, the Bible says that Jesus looked at them and said plainly and told them that he was gonna die. And the Bible says they walked away wondering what he meant by these things. What he meant was he was gonna die. So when Jesus said, I'm gonna die, what he meant was, I'm going to die. But they couldn't fathom it because it didn't fit their worldview. Jesus goes before his disciples and says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. And Philip, always a genius, looks to Jesus right in front of him and says, if, he, if I've seen him, I've seen the father. Huh? Show me the father and I'll be satisfied. I'm gonna repeat this one more time. If you've seen me, have you seen the father? Okay, yeah, but just show me the father. And what he says to Philip is, have you been with me this long and you haven't seen me? This isn't a parable. I'm looking at you in the face and saying, have you seen God? Yes, because you're looking at me. You know, there are people who try to critique the Bible and say Jesus never claimed he was God. Yes, he did. He told them plainly, if you've seen me, you've seen God. I'm God. Yeah, just show us God. But that's what we do, where God will be like, okay, pray for this person, this is your spouse, and believe I'm going to bring them to you. Because some of you have that word. Okay, but he's like messing around. I know. I gave the word. Sorry. My wife was in that position. Now we have a baby. It's awesome. <laughs> My point is, is that we overcomplicate. And if you look across the Bible consistently, what you will see is God saying plainly, do something. And the people are like, hmm, but what did he really mean? And I feel like we do that so very often. Saul was king. And Samuel says, hey, don't go out to battle until I've come and sacrificed. And then Samuel doesn't show up when Saul wanted him to, so he sacrificed, and, and Samuel said, you're going to lose your kingdom now, right? When I said, wait for me to sacrifice, what did you think I meant? Well, I thought you meant I was supposed to sacrifice. Uh, it's not a parable. God is speaking clearly to his people. The Bible says the mysteries of God are no longer mysteries to his church. God's not keeping mysteries from you. As I said, because his spirit's in you, only the thing that truly knows God, that's in you. So now you get to know God. It's a heck of a Bible verse. I have read that verse a thousand times, but this morning was the first time I ever read it. So it became part of my sermon today. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. God, I thank you because you're speaking. I thank you because you're leading. I thank you that we don't need fancy words and we don't need emotional tales to draw us unto your goodness, Father God. We just need you. God, I thank you that you're speaking. I thank you that you're drawing us close and drawing us near. I thank you, God, that you're clear. I thank you, God, that you're not complicated. I thank you, God, that you will lead me and you will guide me and you will make me to lie down beside still waters, Father God. I thank you. It's not my choice. It's not my option. It's your will. And I thank you that I will submit to your truth, God, and be guided in all things 
by you, Lord. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.